What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I am James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com and you can follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at thepewterplank, at jyarko underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. Today, David and I are going to be diving into a little bit of combine talk. We have the um, we had the coaches and the GMs doing their pressers. Some of the players did their pressers uh, Thursday. Uh, but David and I are going to take a couple of, of snippets from what Dirk Cutter and Jason Light had to say when they had their time on the podium on Wednesday. Um, David has taken something that, that Jason Light talked about that stuck out to him, and I've taken something from Dirk Cutter that kind of stuck out to me. So, David, let's go ahead and dive right in. And the thing that that stuck out to me the most would be when Dirk Cutter had said that running back is the top priority for the Buccaneers this offseason. Now, I understand that running back needs to be a top priority, but I don't know if I would go so far as to say that it is the top priority. You know, they have Jacquez Rogers and Peyton Barber, neither one of which are are what you would consider starting caliber, I don't believe. Um, you know, Peyton Barber has earned his his shot to carry part of the load but definitely hasn't shown that he's a feature back type of player. Whereas on the defensive side of the ball, there is no pass rush. There's holes in the secondary. There's problems in the secondary. So to isolate running back as the top priority for this team, I mean, is this something that it's, you know, everybody knows that it's going to be a top priority. So why not just go ahead and call it that? Or is this the mindset of an offensive-minded head coach? Um, I think it's misdirection more than anything. I don't think Ooh. running back is the is the top priority. It's 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 not even close to the top priority. If if yeah, if you're asking me, which you are. So, um, I mean, I if, if the if the running back position is a top priority, then you're trading up to draft Saquon Barkley. So problem solved right because i mean unless Le'Veon bell hits the open market like not for nothing i know it's always hard to compare uh rookies coming into the league to established players because you never know you know if, if this guy is going to be a lawrence phillips or if he's going to be an eddie george so uh it's hard to predict but i mean would you t- if, if you would you know running back by running back fan by fan right if you're would you take carlos hyde or saquon barkley like oh, you're probably going to take Saquon Barkley, right? Would you take Jeremy McKinnon or would you take Saquon Barkley? Are going to take Saquon Barkley? Same thing. Like go down the list. You know, uh, Jeremy Hill. You got uh, Danny Woodhead might be out there. You got uh, Deion Lewis, right? Like line them all up. Who are you taking? Time after time, the answer is going to be Saquon Barkley. So if running backs your priority, then why haven't you called the New York Giants to make a deal for number two? Or why haven't you called the Cleveland Browns to make a deal for number one? Because that's the only way you're really going to attack that with with absolute certainty and if that door is open then i don't know you know if that's your top priority why you wouldn't take it and uh so i think it's just it's just a little bit of hyperbole you know i don't obviously running back is a priority because like you said i mean peyton barber has done enough to deserve more playing time in 2018 than he got in 2017 per game you know he didn't really get in to the action until late in the season so i think peyton barber definitely deserved a shot having an everyday role and every game role uh, for the offense in 2018. But 
he's far from being a feature back for an NFL franchise as of right now. And and this is coming from a guy who I, you know, I've been kind of, uh, of uh, boosting him up since they brought him in. You know, I, I love the fact that they even got him uh, as an undrafted free agent when they did. So I'm a huge fan of Barber, but you know, facts are facts. He did well. Yes. However, um, it's easier to do well when teams aren't game playing against you. And let's not pretend that when Doug Martin came out and Peyton Barber came in, that that opposing defense wasn't all eyes on Jameis Winston at that moment. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit different if you become the full-time starter and every team knows, all right, we're getting 20 carries from Peyton Barber. How do we stop Peyton Barber? Things are going to look a little bit different. I'm not saying Barber can't be successful, but things are going to look a little bit different. So I, I just don't think, you know, it's it's a big priority or the main priority just from that standpoint. But then at the same time, just looking from a football common sense standpoint, your defense is your is your priority. It has to be. Like, if the defense isn't the priority for this team, then I don't know, like let's let's just go hire somebody now else, somebody else now, because they're not going to fix what they need to fix in order to make this team effective. Um, I did a math piece not too long ago, right? And I can't remember the exact numbers, but the Buccaneers scored on the uh, over the NFL average per game, right? Not every game, but per game, they scored above above the NFL average, which means if they're not finishing above the fold, uh, in, in, in the NFL, then they're allowing, and they did allow more points than, than the average defense in the NFL. And that just gets to the, like the basics of it. There's a lot more deeper, obviously in those numbers, but just looking on the surface, if your offense is scoring above the, the league average and your defense is giving up more than the league average, your top priority is on defense, right? Cause yeah, defense absolutely. or offense doesn't give up points. I mean, I know the occasional pick six fumble return for a touchdown. Got it. But we're talking defensive points allowed, not total team points allowed, defensive points allowed. If your defense is allowing points above the league average, your defense is your problem. So, no, running back can't be the top priority, but um, I don't know. I don't know why Dirk said that, but uh, Dirk says a lot of things that, like, maybe I'll give up play calling that he doesn't actually mean. So, <laughs> Well, and something that you and I spoke about before we started recording is it <clears> – <throat> Tis the season for misdirection and and lies and manipulation. Yep. You know, we're we're talking about coaches and GMs speaking at a scouting combine, preparing for the draft, and of course they're not going to come out and say we really, really want to draft this guy, because then you're tipping your hand and and telling everybody exactly what you want to do. It doesn't work that way. You're going to praise guys that you probably don't have as high of an interest in as you would somebody else. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to, you're not going to come out and you're not going to knock a guy that other teams may covet because that's going to, in the end, damage your chances of being able to obtain the players that you would like to get. So, you know, a, a lot of it is going to be that kind of situation. Now, I, I agree with you to, to a certain extent, my mentality goes to the fact that this may very well be Dirk Cutter's mindset. Like he may truly believe that their defense is perfectly fine and they just had a down year and they had a few problems and they're getting Noah Spence back. And, and, you know, he knows that they may need a corner, but he feels that in order to do what he wants to do, running back has to be the top priority. And if he has a running back that that he believes can flourish in his system, 
then the defense doesn't matter because they can put up 40 points a game. You know, unlikely he believes that, but then again, as you said, there's a lot of things about Dirk Cutter that we kind of question at this point until we are uh, until we are proven wrong. So, yeah, that's I don't know. It's maybe definitely, I mean, maybe what if maybe what if improving the running back position is the priority, and by doing that, what that means is they're going to draft Quentin Nelson to beef up that offensive line and give them more holes to run through. You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, I really hope he doesn't mean running back is his priority. Because, I mean, well, I mean, that's the thing. He didn't, he didn't say the running game as the top priority. He right. said, running, he said back. running back. Yeah. Lord help us out. <laughs> Which, again, you and I are both on the same page that it is definitely a priority. Yeah, I, I fully expect the Buccaneers to draft a running back within the first two days of this draft, as well as sign a free agent. But yeah, I'll get down with that. Yeah, and, and I've I've seen pe- people, and you know, it's something that you and I have talked about, and I'm just gonna I'm gonna keep hammering this point home, and hopefully that some of these commenters will listen. Just because you address running back in free agency, let's say they sign Jarek McKinnon, or mm-hmm. they sign Deion Lewis, mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they're going to ignore the offensive line or the defensive line or the secondary. Yeah. it's all a process. There are a lot of moves to be made. I mean, they have seven draft picks and yeah. they can make, I mean, they can make seven free agent moves. So there's 14 moves to be made there just because one of them addresses one area doesn't mean that the other 13 aren't going to eventually address the other areas. And again, just because they sign one person first does not mean that that was the most important position to them. You know, something that I wrote about when I did my, my free agency spotlight on Jarek McKinnon, it may be, you know, five, six, seven days before they sign a running back in free agency because of the market. There Mm -hmm. aren't any world beaters at running back hitting the free agency market unless Le'Veon Bell hits the market, which I don't think is going to happen. I would say there's a 99.999% chance that he remains in Pittsburgh one way or another. So they may sign Tremaine Johnson within the first five minutes of free agency beginning. Mm-hmm. But that's because he's an elite player at that position and he's going to be coveted. You can't sit on your hands and wait. The market for Tremaine Johnson is going to be a matter of moments. Whereas right. the market for a guy like Jarek McKinnon or Dion Lewis or Jeremy Hill or whoever it is, it's going to be a longer process. All those it's, it's taster's choice at running back. None of these right. guys are going to separate themselves from the other. So you can't look at their free agency signings as, oh, well, why did they waste their time doing that when they got to do this and this and this? It's all a process. They're not trotting out on the field a week after free agency to compete. There's an entire offseason. They have needs. They know they have needs. And they're going to be addressed in two different ways. But that doesn't mean that any of them are taking priority over the other. It's all about position scarcity, the market for these free agents, how coveted they're going to be just chill be patient it's not a big deal yeah i mean not for nothing like i mean obviously there you know there's murmurs on the wires and all that stuff but if like like coney ely right for example coney ely is probably a guy he, he's a guy identified in one of my one of my posts about uh defensive end options for the bucks after 
uh, uh, Ziggy Anza was taken off the table for the, for the franchise tag. Right. If the Buccaneers want to pursue Coney Ely, they can probably do that five days into free agency. You know what I mean? Whereas, like you said, Tremaine, Tremaine Johnson, five days in free agency, that dude's probably having his introductory press conference at his new team. Oh, so, yeah, and Jersey pre-sale is up right. on the team site. Like, it, it's a wrap. Yeah, so so the pass rush, I think, you know, I think most of us would probably agree the pass rush needs to get better before the secondary get, needs to get better if you're talking priorities of fire, right? But that's not really how this works. Like you just said, it's it's a very – it's a multidimensional situation. So when you, when you have – there's no Ziggy Anza. So when you have guys like Coney Ely – and you have guys like who's the other guy I put in that article? Why can't I remember who I put in there? Oh God, you asked me too fast. Aaron Lynch is who I put in there from San Francisco 49ers. These are go. guys who have they're still young, they still have high ceilings, they still have pass rushing potential, and they're coachable. Like, like there's no reports coming out that you know they're just they don't like coaching and they don't want to listen and blah blah blah. There's no Chris but, Bakers. <laughs> theoretically. <laughs> but they're not you're, you know, you're not, they're not your guys that people are going to be going after right out of the blocks. Those are guys that are going to sit for a little bit. And honestly, a lot of teams may not may choose to wait to see what they get in the draft or see if any veterans, you know, cause uh, you always have your first wave of cuts, right? We've already seen some of them guys like Jonathan Stewart and all that Muhammad um, Wilkerson that are early off season casualties. And then you have your initial free agent rush following followed or uh, pre, uh, immediately following the combine where play, where teams really start to get comfortable with prospects and who they want to target and who they really want on their team. And you see that first wave of free agency signings, and then you see a second wave of cuts because certain teams bring in a guy and maybe, maybe they targeted Tremaine Johnson at, I don't know, uh, what is he going for, like $11 million a year, something like that. And they so, actually yeah, 11 to 13, I would say. Yeah, maybe they were targeting him at 11, but because of the bidding war – and they didn't want to get out of it, they end up bringing him at 14. Okay, well, that's three more million bucks. So, hey, maybe this 32-year-old vet that we were going to keep as a role player, eh, he's going to kick off. But you know what? That 32-year-old vet could be a Dwight Freeney type guy who you can sign for a veteran minimum now that he's been released from his contract and bring him in on third downs and so on and so forth and affect your pass rush. So now your pass rush just got a little bit better. Your secondary just got better and and so on and so forth. So it, it's it's a it's an ever-developing chess match. Um, so everybody just needs to kind of just be, be, be cognizant of what's available at all the positions, because the only position where the team isn't looking for any type of improvement is probably what quarterback, at least in the starter, right? Starting quarterback, tight end right. receiver. And that's probably it. Linebacker. Like every other, every other linebacker, even like a depth, like even linebacker depth, I would still hope they would look for, you know what I mean? Cause well, yeah, that's, that's fair. If you lose, knock on wood, if you lose Quan and Lamonte at the same time, like um I like I like who they got on roster, but can they really roll? Like can they really carry the middle of that defense for four games or three they games? They lose Quan and Levante at the same time. We're all curled up in the fetal position and crying anyway. So right, just put Jameis on IR matter. and just wait till 2019. So uh, <laughs> um <laughs> Brent's gonna kill me for that. So um <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, like they're still like they may not be looking for starters everywhere, right? But you're still looking for depth. I mean, hell, we're talking about Mike Glennon possibly coming back to be depth that quarterback. So even though we know who our franchise quarterback is right now, there's still talk there. I think wide receiver is probably the only position where you're really not going to see any talk followed by tight end. But anyway, uh, it's it's all going to get addressed, you know. And 
there's things working behind the scenes and there's going to be, there's going to be players that they target that we're not going to hear about until well beyond, you know, all the Dalvin cook stuff came out well after the draft was over, you know, and that's when people found out, Oh, they did have Dalvin cook on their board. They were targeting him, but you know, again, the opportunity to land OJ Howard was just too good. And then the Vikings, blah, blah, blah. We all heard the story, you know, so there's a lot of things happening at one buck place and we just, uh, just got to follow the light, man. Just got to follow the light. That's right. And you have to remember there's multiple waves of free agency. There's that initial push in the first 48 to 96 hours. And then it kind of, it, it slows down a little bit. And then, as you said, you have that kind of second wave of cuts and that's when that second wave of free agency kicks in. So just, mm-hmm. just because the Bucks signed one guy, you know, on day one of free agency, or they signed two guys within the first 18 hours or, or whatever, doesn't mean they're going to ignore other spots. That's that's the point that David and I are trying to make because it drives me insane. You know, well, they don't need a running back until they address the offensive line. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. You know, if Jason Light is hell-bent on drafting Quentin Nelson, they're going to have to address running back before they address offensive line. Like, that's just the mm-hmm. way that it goes. Mm-hmm. So... All right. Well, David, you uh, you had something that Jason Light had to say that kind of stuck out to you. What um, what did the old uh, mastermind in the front office have to say at uh, at his presser at uh, at the scouting combine? So I liked what he had to say about Vernon Hargraves. Not just the obviously like kind of the buzzword or the 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 catch line. The headline was, you know, by no means are we giving up on Vernon. Well, of course you're not giving up on Vernon. He's a first round pick. Uh, still, you know, pre-option. So why would you? However, uh, unless he's on an attitude problem, right, Chiefs? Um, however, <laughs> what I what I really liked, uh, and you know, credit to Trevor Sikama, our uh, unofficial co-host here at the Lockdown Bucks. Um, his write-up of what Jason said exactly about Vernon Hargraves, and I'm going to read this this portion of his conversation about Vernon. Uh, he actually enjoys playing inside just as much as outside. It's not a situation where he's telling us where he wants to play. He'll do anything. I had a lot of positive conversations with Vernon at the end of the year, and I'm excited where his mind is right now. I think he's going to have a pretty good year this year. And I absolutely, like, I was already pulling for Vernon Hargraves to, you know, uh, quote-unquote resurrect his career. Uh, I'm an absolute fan of the man after that. Like, I, I you could see it. Like, when Vernon got moved inside – um, I think his first game was what Buffalo, right? Yeah, that uh, was his. Yeah, yeah, that was his first game because I'm sitting there in the stands and I'm, I remember messaging you guys. I'm like, hey, if I'm seeing this right, Vernon's lined up in the slot. You can you guys confirm because I was field level, so uh, and I'm a short dude, um, so I couldn't see as clearly as you guys could from your television sets. Um, and that's and I was excited and the but the best thing about seeing Vernon play inside. What my initial reaction was great because we're seeing adjustment, right? We're seeing Mike Smith actually change something amazing, fantastic. <laughs> that was my first point of excitement. My second point of excitement was Vernon was on the line and he was he was he was pushing dudes off their routes, he was bumping guys on the line of scrimmage, he was being physical, fantastic, love it. The third thing was on the very first drive of the game on third down, he quote unquote broke up a pass. It was actually a very bad pass by Tyrod Taylor, but he got credit for the breakup. Fine, doesn't really matter. Mox Knicks. But the bottom line is Vernon got up and he was elated. Like he was energized. He was pumped. I'm like, this is not a kid who just basically got benched, right? Got got knocked down a peg in the depth chart and is going to pout and sulk and mope and, oh, woe is me. I'm a first-round pick. Who are they to lower my status and blah, blah, blah. No, this is a guy who's saying, okay, 
that wasn't working. Now you put me here because you think I can succeed here. I'm going to show you I can succeed here. And he was balling out. Um, so, you know, so I absolutely love it. And the fact that Jason is saying that he talked with him and Vernon's like, you know, inside, outside, wherever you need me, like, let's go get it. And I know you don't draft slot corners in the first round. I got it. The dude's already been drafted, though. Like, that ship has sailed. Like, I don't know, man. <laughs> like, like if you don't like a boat sitting on the dock and then it takes off, like, don't sit there throwing rocks at it from the pier. You know what I mean? Like, that's it, it, pointless. It's already gone. So we're, we have the situation we have, but we have a young dude with a lot of talent, talent who is saying, like, I will do whatever you want me to do, NFL team, to be successful as an individual and as a team. And not for nothing, but making a career as being one of the best slot corners in the league you know, which if he, he could become that is not a bad thing. Like how many, how many of us sitting on this side of, of the football field would jump at the chance? Somebody came to you and said, I will endow you with the ability to have a long career as a slot corner in the NFL who here wouldn't raise their hand to take that opportunity. Right. right. So maybe Vernon's that guy, maybe he's, he's not star hungry. He's not, you know, he, he doesn't need VH three to be the next brand of Jordans. You know what I mean? Like, Maybe he's okay being an effective NFL player who can contribute to a team's success and have a long career. Maybe he's that guy. And if he is, I love him for it. Um, but what really got my attention on this is that when the Pewter Report, one of the times they tweeted out uh, Trevor's uh, write-up, Quan Alexander retweeted it. And this is the quote I actually want to talk about is, duh, he a dog. Watch how he balled this year. Yes. Right. So what do you think about all that that I just spewed out? I, I'm I'm with you 100 percent You know, when when we saw Hargraves move into the slot and and even though he was getting those pass breakups, like you mentioned, it was a bad pass, but he got the pass breakup. It was like you and I talked about with with Deshaun Jackson. You know, they needed to hit him with a short pass and let his legs do the work and get that layup. You just needed to see the ball go through the hoop. And you started to regain a little bit of that confidence. When he moved into the slot, he was being aggressive. He was up on the line. He was pushing. He was pressing. And he started to regain that confidence. You know, unfortunately, it was kind of derailed by the injury. But we started to see the maturation and the the benefits of how aggressive he was being. Whereas when he was on the outside, he was playing 10, 15 yards off. He was getting roasted. You know, it goes back to the whole, you know, we're not going to sit there and root for players to fail. You know, if if Vernon Hargraves' best spot on this team is playing the slot corner, then put him at slot corner. Nobody mm-hmm. was whining and crying when Rondé Barber was in the slot. Rondé Barber took the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl out of the slot. Mm-hmm. Everyone's screaming for him to go to the Hall of Fame. Yep. Being a slot corner is not a bad thing. It's a starting position in today's NFL doesn't right. matter if you're on the outside. And, and so many of these wide receivers, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., they move to the slot. Yeah. This is not the late 90s where guys are in the same spot all the time. This is not, you know, you're you're not a, a good enough corner to be on the outside you know, because you're not Deion Sanders. That doesn't matter. If Deion Sanders was playing today, he would move all over the place because he would be following Brown or Julio or Odell or Mike Evans or A.J. Green or DeAndre Hopkins, whoever you want to name. So if if Hargrave's most effective position on this defense where he feels most comfortable, where he is the most aggressive, where he is the most productive – is the slot position, then line them up there. Who cares? 
And yeah, the whole revisionist, you know, oh, well, we shouldn't have drafted this guy. We should, we drafted a kicker in the second round. Get over it. I swear, if I see one more person bring up the fact that they drafted Aguayo in the second round, get over it. It's done. You tweeting about it five days a week is not going to change the fact that it happened. Let it go. Maybe that'll be our song for the end of the episode. Let it go. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, I mean, not for nothing, but like, you know, drafting Aguayo has as much impact on this team right now as as drafting Warren Sapp and Derek Brooks in the same year does. Um, it's it's or no longer – Or drafting Bo Jackson. It's no longer relevant. So, um, I don't know. I mean, someone's going to come back and say, oh, well, the guy they could have gotten. You know, we, none of us know. That's all conjecture. None of us know what would have happened. Or not, not for nothing – uh, when they traded up, you know, I've been on the record many times saying I thought they were going after Von Bell. Well, the Saints got Von Bell, and the Saints don't really look too happy with Von Bell right now. So, yeah, I he's mean, not been very good. I wanted Von Bell. Yeah, I still think I Von know, Bell has is, a lot of Ohio State safeties that I all it. of a sudden want to draft them. But I thought you were going somewhere else with that. No, like <laughs> I wanted Von Bell, and then I wanted Malik Hooker, and I, <clears throat> you know. Everybody here knows my disdain for the Buckeyes, but it seems like every year there's a Buckeye that I want to draft, and I'm like, it pains me to do it, but no, stop it. But Von Bell, I mean, he's still a very young guy, right? So he's still got potential and and all that stuff, and and I'm down with that. But, uh, you know, again, this isn't a situation where, well, Von Bell got drafted by the Buccaneers. He's an all-pro safety and, and all that. That's Everything bleeds in everything, right? The butterfly effect. If the Buccaneers draft Von Bell instead of Roberto Aguayo, then maybe, I don't know, like the not Kyle Brinza guy they bring in uh, misses four field goals and everybody's like, oh, they had the chance to get Roberto. Like, it's all, it's, it's again, you're, you're throwing rocks at a boat that's in the horizon, right? So I don't know, man, but, but Vernon Hargraves, like I got that he's a first round pick. So you invested a first round pick in him. Obviously you don't draft a corner in the first round, expecting him to play in the slot, but if he's if he plays in the slot and that's where he's successful and that's where you keep him, then in two years time you're going to pay him as a slot cornerback. You know what I mean? You're not going to, you're not you're not, you're going to pay him for the position he's playing. You're not going to pay him because he used to be a first round draft pick. And this year he's pulling three point eight million. Next year he's pulling four point five, and then uh, you know he's got his fifth year fifth year option, all that stuff that could get a little tricky. But you know at the same time, if the team's like, hey, we're going to decline your for your your fifth year option because we're not paying you first round uh, perimeter defender money when you're playing inside. Again, if this is a kid who's got his head on straight and is saying, hey, I'm going to do what I need to do for the team to be successful and for me to be successful, then he's probably going to understand that and he's probably going to take the money that he can get because, again, you're still talking millions of dollars. Like the pay the pay decrease from, from number one corner, number two corner on the outside to being one of the better slot defenders, you know, uh, in, in, in the league is not – so much that we're not we're going for millions of pennies we're still talking millions of dollars um so i don't know i just i don't think it's as big of a deal you know if you if you move them inside as as maybe some do uh but it is what it is at the end of the day people should just want the team to do whatever is going to make the team successful if that means moving your first round draft pick into the slot then so be it because you know, there's plenty of of drafts we can go back to and we can list off all the first round busts. So I would much rather have Hargraves be productive and efficient 
and you know dominant as a slot corner than be one of these guys that's out of the league within four years. Yeah, I mean, look at Tim Tebow. He said himself recently that he's been he's gotten offers since he left the NFL to come back and try to be in the NFL at a different position, but he's so stubborn and so I don't know set in his ways that he wants to be an NFL quarterback that he's refusing opportunities to get on the field. Uh, and be it on an NFL franchise for the sake of maintaining that he's a quarterback. Like, I, I don't know, you know, so what's a, what's a more wasted first round draft pick that one by the Broncos or this one by the bucks, at least this guy is willing to do what needs to be done to help his team. So, yeah. All right. Well, David, I think that's going to wrap it up for us for today, unless you have anything else that you'd like to, uh, to throw in there. No, I'm good. I'm just, I'm looking forward to, I've got, I've already got a pretty good good fill on my DVR of press conferences and stuff like that. I don't get to look at all this stuff during the day, so I I have a nice weekend set ahead of me of watching some press conferences of certain players. I want to see how they handled themselves and see if they were just puppets or see if they they came across as human beings. And then of course the drills. I mean that's what we're all here for from the outside. Oh, yeah. That's not the most important part from the inside, but that's that's the best part for us on the outside. So looking forward to the drills. Hopefully Billy Price is okay. Did you hear about what happened to him? I did not. Yeah, he hurt his shoulder. I haven't heard of a final diagnosis, but he's a center out of Ohio State, um, so you know he's going to be a legend. But uh, first oh, round, I did hear he uh, heard it in the, when he was doing the, the weightlifting, right? Yeah, the bench yeah. press. Um, grabbed his left shoulder, put racked the rate, racked the weights. Uh, grabbed his left shoulder, walked off stage. So hopefully it's not you know too serious. Probably probably wouldn't expect him to work out. Oh, uh, you probably have to wait to see him at the pro day or, or maybe even later. I don't know. Um, you know, I hate to think this way and, and believe me for before I say what I'm about to say, just all thoughts out to him. Hopefully it's nothing serious. You know, he's, he's got a bright future ahead of him. So I don't want, I don't wish compromise on his future in any way, shape or form. However, I wonder if it's possible that this, uh, if he's not able to work out because of this, cause he's on, you know, erring on the side of caution, if this doesn't make him fall into day two, and if this makes him fall into oh, day I'm two, sorry. Now you have an interesting situation with you're, if you're the Buccaneers, you know, because again, when, when you talk about, and this is not something I know from personal experience, just listening to guys who have been in war rooms, the way that some of them, the war rooms will prep is they'll kind of play the pairing games. Like, Hey, okay. So if we draft this guy in the first round, they're, they're mock drafting, right? If we draft this guy in the first yeah. round, what could, what could play out and who might we get in the second round? So if you're possibly talking about pairing a, uh, a Bradley Chubb with, a uh a billy price in the second round because he slips because of that shoulder that's a pretty good pairing you know what i mean or if bradley chubb is gone and you're left with uh you know minka fitzpatrick and quentin nelson is gone because i think uh who picks right before the bucks uh is it the broncos Jets. or the jets yeah i can't jets. remember who it is it's the broncos or jets one of those teams there i've i've started to see some mocks where uh, like the Jets pull go all out for Kirk Cousins and they bring in, you know, Quentin Nelson to, to help protect him up front and stuff like that. So I've seen some more mocks where Quentin Nelson's actually moving up the boards ahead of the Buccaneers. So if Nelson's gone, Chubb is gone. You know, you have a situation where the Buccaneers could theoretically trade back with, say, a Miami who might want to come up and get Saquon Barkley if he's still on the board. And then the Bucs in draft trade back, get maybe Sony Michelle or get Darius Geis in the, in the later part of the first round or middle part of the first round, and then come back and get Billy Price in the second round. And everybody who thinks the pass rush is in dire needs is going to want to kill me after I just said that because he just went running back and offensive lineman. But those are two really good impact players 
for your team. And again, hopefully, like I said, the Bucks have signed some defensive line help in free agency, or you know, there's some other pass rushers out there that they can draft later, uh, so on and so forth. So I don't know, just interesting to think because an injury like this to a player like this, where it may not be an injury that really affects him playing wise as a pro could affect his draft stock because he's not able to work out. Um, so just interesting to watch. Um, again, I don't want to turn his misfortune into, you know, uh, bar talk, but that's the business we're in. So hope he's, hope he's okay. And he can work out and keep his draft stock in the first round for his sake. But if he can't, this could get very interesting because now puts a very good offensive lineman, interior offensive lineman, potentially in round two where the Buccaneers will be picking. Uh, so something, something to watch. Yeah, and and David and I will be back next week with a uh, with a scouting combine recap. Hopefully, with a guest. We're working on trying to line that up, so no promises, uh, but a real strong chance that we'll have a special guest on next week to do a a combine recap. Until then, um, make sure that you're following along with everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com. David and I are the co experts over there, so make sure you're checking out our daily free agency spotlights and all the latest pertinent news as it pertains to your beloved Buccaneers. And make sure you're following along on Twitter at LockedOnBucks, at ThePewterBlank, at JayYarko underscore Bucks, and at DH82 underscore Bucks. Hope you all have a wonderful, fun, safe weekend, and thank you all for joining us right here at LockedOnBucks. Bucks.